if you're ready for the word, say, I'm ready. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. I prepared a sermon all week for you. And then at 7.13 this morning, the Lord spoke and said, I want you to tell him this. So if you don't like it, you can just blame him. Because you were going to like mine. I'm kidding, God. I'm kidding. Simply put, the Lord just put on my heart this morning that God is looking for the empty. He is looking for the broken. Well, there should be more than two yeses. He's looking for the empty. He's looking for the broken. He's looking for the weak. He's looking for the hungry. He's looking for the thirsty. God is looking for those who need him. We are preparing for March 19th, the outpouring in Palm Bay. We had an outreach group pass out hundreds of invitations yesterday. And there's outreach going on every day of the week. And my son, little Levi, almost four years old, he's been excited because in Oregon last year, we did outreach a few times a week, and we would go to the skate park, and he would ride his scooter while we would witness to those, those young people at the skate park. So when he heard the announcement of outreach, he was so excited. He said, Dad, we're going to go do outreach. I said, that's right, boy. He said, man, I can't wait to go to the skate park and go down the ramp. He said, I love outreach. <laughs> He saw the platform out here outside the gym, prepared for tonight's service. He said, Dad, what's that? And I told him what it was. I said, well, it's just, it's just another form of outreach. He said, that ain't outreach. <laughs> but we are preparing in two and a half weeks for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Palm Bay. I see it. Clap your hands with faith, with expectation. Amen. And this is not going to be the one and only event. This is the inaugural first event of many to come. In the next few years, you will look back at the identity of this church and realize from this beginning of 2021, we were never the same from that moment. The moment we started going beyond the walls, we never went back. In the next few years, you're going to see many crusades. This is just one of the many. This is just us getting our feet wet, taking the first step into the next dimension and paradigm of what God is going to do in this church, in you, in your home, and in this city. Somebody say amen. amen. The Lord spoke to me. To talk to you on pouring out for an outpouring. Because God is looking for those who have poured out of themselves. In fact, in his ministry, Jesus Christ confused the followers. He confused the critics, confused the Pharisees and Sadducees and even his own disciples. 
In Luke chapter 6, it's recorded that Jesus went to the synagogue to teach there on the Sabbath. He had an audience full of Sadducees, Pharisees, the ones who were religious, the ones who went through the rituals, the ones who obeyed the routines and traditions, the ones who memorized the law of Moses. But when Jesus began to teach, he overlooked the ones who had it all together. And he saw the man, the one with a withered hand. He did not pacify or satisfy, impress or entertain the religious, persuaded people. He reached for the one who was withered. When he reached for him, he said, stand up and come to me. We don't know much about this man. We don't know what he was, who he was, other than that he was the man with the withered hand. He might not have been a Pharisee who could memorize the law of Moses, the Bible of that day. He might not have been a Sadducee who, who was super ultra-religious. He might not been, have been one of these men who went to church every day, praying at the wailing wall every day. Obeying all the law, every jot and tittle of the tradition of the law. But he was a man who had a need. And Jesus called him out from the crowd and said, come to me and stand here in my midst. And when this man had been called out, being identified by his infirmity, Jesus asked him to do one more thing. Stretch forth your withered hand. You would think that he had been through enough to be withered. You would think that he had been through enough to be broken, to be needful of a miracle. But when Jesus called him forward, he said, Now pour out what you've got left. Stretch forth your hand because the miracle is when you relinquish the miracle begins when you pour out everything that you've got scripture says and he did so when he stretched forth his hand and his hand was restored whole just like the other he poured out what he had left and Jesus began the outpouring of the miraculous in his life Jesus today is on the prowl looking for men and women who are hungry, who are thirsty, who are needing of him. But to those who are willing to pour out what they've got left. Jesus even told his disciples who were confused when they went to church one day and the offering plate was passed around and all the people with money and all the people with credit cards and all the people with the flashy money started putting what they had from their abundance, a piece of their abundance into the offering plates and a lady with nothing but just two coins. She put in everything she had and Jesus said, she's given more than all of the rest. How while they gave from her abundance, she gave everything that she has. In the kingdom of God, God is looking for people who are willing to pour out everything.
God is looking this morning for someone who will give all and nothing less. Evaluate yourself for a moment. Have you poured out everything or have you just poured out enough to attend church on Sunday morning? Have you poured out everything or have you poured out just enough to, to come and be a member of this church? Have you poured out everything or have you poured out just enough to to skate in and get by on somebody else's anointing? Or are you ready this day to say, God, I pour out everything that I've got and nothing less and nothing less. That's why the wise man Solomon wrote the proverb in chapter 30, verse 8, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. The wisest man of the world said, Don't give me too much. Don't give me so much that I forget about you. Don't let me become full on myself to where I ask, who is the Lord? One writer said, one writer said, if you're not hungry for God, it's because you're too full of yourself. But that's kind of rude, so I won't say that today. He said it. I won't say that today. I'm, I'll let him say it. Notice the timing of Jesus when he comes to us in John 10 and 10. He says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then I come that they might have life. Oh, come on, somebody preach with me. He said the thief will come. He comes to steal. He doesn't come to play patty cake with you. He cometh only to steal and to kill. He doesn't come to just entertain you. He doesn't come to just give you a little fun intoxication. He comes to kill. He comes to steal. And he comes to destroy. But when he comes, look out. Here I come, and when I come, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Notice what the psalmist wrote. David said in Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth the righteous cry. That's you. You even cry. Just because you go to the altar and get righteous, just because you've been to the water and got baptized, you still cry. You still hurt. You still grieve. He said, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit there ought to be an amen in this house today because if I wasn't broken he wouldn't have fixed me if I wasn't lost he wouldn't have found me amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found I once was blind but now I see I was dead in sin but the resurrection and the life said, get up out of that grave. I 
I feel like just having a praise break right up in this place about now. We ought to praise him for pulling me out of darkness and putting me in his light. We ought to praise him for pulling me out of my sin and making a way where there seems to be no way. Turn to somebody. Turn to somebody and give them this really good word of faith. Say, you ain't good enough. Say, you didn't deserve it. Now tell them this, but God. He didn't find you because you were rich and mighty. He didn't find you because you were holy and anointed. He found you because you were broken. You were ashatara. He found you because you were lost. He found you because you were destitute. He found you because you had nowhere else to go. Somebody just lift up your hands and just pour out your spirit to the one who pours out his spirit. Watch this, even Jesus said, even Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because when you have everything you need, you have no needs. Ah. Woo. In Luke 5 and 30, in the same chapter where Jesus has called several men to become his disciples. After their nets were empty, fishermen with empty fish nets. Well, let me just expound on this story for a second. I feel, feel a little inspiration. In this same chapter from which I'm about to read, Jesus is strolling along the Sea of Genesaret. And I imagine all the boats... The fishing boats had come in from the night of fishing. And I just see it in my little puny mind. Jesus says, huh, too full for me. Oh, wow. Man, y'all are some good fishermen. Too full for me. He found a couple of boats. Men frustrated, agonizing. Scripture says they had toiled all night and taken nothing. I've had several men in this church ask me, do you like to fish? I say, no, but I like to catch fish. I hate fishing, but I like reeling, reeling them in. I can't just sit there and just look at the water. Please, little fish. I like reeling them in. And let me tell you what I love. I love eating them. <laughs> Jesus said, too full for me. Not too good for me. Let me find some failures. Found a boat, came in from the night, not one fish. Jesus said, let me get in this boat. Said, hey, Peter, get back in this boat. Now launch out into the deep. You've been messing around in these shallow waters long enough, buddy. I'm about to take you to the deep end. 
You've been messing with shallow people. You've been thinking your calling was shallow. You've been thinking your anointing was shallow. You've been thinking the promise of God on your life was shallow. Launch out into the deep and let me show you what you're about to become. He said, let your net out for a catch. You know the story. He let the net out. He began to pull in such a great multitude of fish that the net began to break and the boat began to sink. But it all started with a boat that was empty. There's some people that sit on the pew and Jesus looks and says, nope, too full. Nope, you've been sitting all service. You must have everything you need. I'm looking for somebody that can't sit down. I'm looking for somebody that can't stand. I'm looking for somebody that can't help but clap their hands. I'm looking for somebody that can't sing another song. I'm looking for somebody that can't stay still. I'm looking for somebody that's empty to the point of desperation. So when he finishes with the little Bible study with his disciples and says, hey, you're about to be a fisher of men. He says, now let's go eat. Let's go eat. Whew. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. Somebody say, it's time to eat. They go out to eat, but there were some critics accusing them of the place they went to eat. The scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples saying, why do you eat? And drink with publicans and sinners. And Jesus said to them, They that are whole don't need a doctor, don't need no physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, I came not to find the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Watch this little nugget of revelation. He said, I didn't come looking for those who can quote the whole scripture. I didn't come looking for Pharisees uh, that can quote all the law of Moses. Uh, I didn't come uh, for religious people who obey the entire law of Moses. Uh, I didn't come to those who go to church every single day uh, and wail at the wall every single day. Uh, he said, I don't care what you know. Uh, as long as you know, uh, I need Jesus. Ah, uh, you missed it. Let, let, me ex, let me extrapolate that for a second. He said, I don't care what you know. As long as you know, I need Jesus. You know the scripture good. You know the song's good. You know the tradition's good. You know what time service starts good. You know the ways to do it good. But do you know that you need me? If you know you need repentance, why don't you lift up your hands and say, I need him. I need Jesus. I'm empty. I'm dry. I'm broken. God prophesied through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 44 and said, I will pour out, pour water upon him that is what? But you're not showing me that you're thirsty. You look like you're satisfied. So that's why I look over you and give them the blessing because you seem quenched 
and full. I will pour out upon him that is thirsty. And floods upon the what? The dry ground. Watch this now. This ought to help somebody. I will pour out my spirit upon thy seed. And my blessing upon thine offspring. If it's not enough motivation for you to get the blessing for yourself. If it's not enough motivation for you to pour out so that he can pour into you. Is it enough motivation when you realize that when he pours out upon you, it's going to go to your children? Now, nobody's desperate for the children here today, I guess. We only got a few people that are desperate for the children. I don't know about you, but when I think of my little three-year-old son, I want him to receive the blessing that's poured out upon me. Let the Holy Ghost flood me where my son gets a fresh dose of that same anointing. Don't just fill me up, but let it fill my kids. But you've got to be thirsty. You've got to be dry. You've got to be broken. Somebody lift up their hands and pour out. I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something. Moses was called at 80 years old. Am I right? He was called to bring about 3 million plus souls to a harvest. A harvest, a promise flowing with milk and honey. What a harvest. Whew. We're bringing people to a harvest. But before God could use Moses to bring him bring his people to a harvest God had to see if Moses was willing to pour out now when you know of his story you think he was already poured out he lived 40 years in the palace being taught being instructed upon the power and the prosperity and the power and the influence of a kingdom living as a son of the king I don't think he stuttered in the palace scripture says Moses was powerful in word and in deed See, it usually takes an insecurity, it takes a fear, an anxiety to bring to surface a stutter. <laughs> to bring to surface something that should not be there. In the 40 years of his palace living, he had everything taken care of. No insecurities, no fears, no anxieties. But in those 40 years, he never heard the voice of God. It was the latter 40 years. At 80 years old, when the scripture says he was on the backside of the desert. He had become the thing that he was taught to hate. In the story of Joseph preceding Moses' story, we find that Joseph tells his brothers when they come to the palace of Egypt, he says, let's let Pharaoh know that you're shepherds because we, we Egyptians, we hate shepherds. And I don't want you to live right here by the palace. I want you to live out there. And so if you tell him that you're shepherds, he'll understand, man, we hate shepherds. So yes, you go out and you live over there on the outskirts of Egypt. You find in that story, Egyptians hated shepherds. 
And now here's Moses standing there becoming the thing that he was taught to hate. And at that moment, the voice shows up and says, Moses, now you can hear me. Now you got to stutter. Now you got to stick. You don't have anything going for you. But now you can hear my voice because you're broken. Couldn't hear me when you were in the palace. Too many voices in there. Too many mani petties up in that place. Too much oils and lotion and moisturizing. And too much easiness. You had it made in the shade drinking lemonade, buddy. But now that you got sheep dung between your toes, you can hear me. But before I send you back to my church for a harvest, what is in your hand? Well, it's just a rod. That ain't just a rod. That's the identity you have become. The thing you were taught to hate. You're a shepherd. You never carried a rod when you were a prince. You carried the scepter when you were a prince. Now all you have is a stick that represents your current identity. Throw it down. Pour it out. Give it to me. He throws it out. He pours it out. And that thing becomes a snake. God says, pick it up from the tail. And it comes a, a stick again, a rod again. And in the next chapter, you find where Moses is packing up his belongings, his wife, his family, to head to Egypt to see the great harvest and the outpouring of God's deliverance. And it says, and he took the rod of God wherewith he would do signs. <laughs> Man, the book's just too good. <laughs> the Bible's just too good. <laughs> the thing that he had become, uh, that he was taught to hate, uh, the thing, his broken identity, now as a lowly shepherd, uh, when he threw that stick down, uh, when he poured it out, uh, in the next chapter it said, uh, it's now become the rod of God. Uh, and when he got to Pharaoh's palace uh, with the rod uh, that used to ridicule him, uh, now he performed the miraculous with that rod. Now that rod represented the power of the name of God. When you pour out, there will be an outpouring of the miraculous in your life. You find the prophecy of the life of Jesus. And in this specific prophecy, Psalm 22, it is prophesying Jesus as he hung on the cross. And while Jesus hung on the cross, he uttered the words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Which is in this Psalm 22 prophecy. And you find in verse 14, where it prophesies that Jesus would say, I am poured out like water. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. He was saying, I've poured out everything. I've given all. I've given everything everything I've got I have no regrets I poured out everything
thank God for the outpouring in your life. The miracle doesn't begin when we gain. The miracle begins when we give. The miracle doesn't begin when we withhold what we've got left. The miracle begins when we relinquish what we've got left. The miracle begins when we pour out. The miracle begins when we exhaust what we have and say, God, I've got just this much left, but I'm going to pour it out. The miracle begins when we get rid of everything that we've got and relinquish it under the hands of the almighty God. In 2 Kings chapter 4, you find the story of a widow lady whose husband was a preacher. He didn't leave her any inheritance, didn't leave her any money to live on. She had two boys who were, who were eating all the food. All the food was gone. Some mama can say amen to that. All the food was gone. And she went. She didn't know where to go, but she knew who to go to. She went to the prophet, the preacher, Elijah, and said, Elijah, you got to help me. My, my husband is gone. He's died, and he didn't leave me any money. He didn't leave me much to live on. And now we have a debt to pay. A debt to pay. And the world, the creditors, she says, have come knocking on our door, asking for our two sons. To be their slaves to pay off our debt. Isn't that just like the world to make you think that you still owe them something? Isn't that just like the world to put that fear, condemnation, and guilt and shame on you? Even though it's been years later that you still owe the world something? Isn't that just like the devil to make you think you still owe me something? I, I, hey, wait, 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 wait a second. You owe me a divorce in your marriage. I put drugs and alcohol in your family, and your family owes me a divorce. Your family owes me a suicidal child. Your family owes me a broken situation. You owe me, you owe me a death. You owe me a debt of gratitude. You owe me because you lived with me for a while. You partook of my goods for a while and you owe me let me tell you something right now we don't owe him nothing you know why because we have been purchased we have been bought we have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and I don't owe them one thing I don't know how shut I don't owe them my marriage I don't owe them my house I don't owe the devil my children I gave it all to Jesus Come on, somebody shout it with me. I don't owe him one thing. Isn't it just like the devil to come and say, your children belong to me because of your mistakes? That's what happened in this scripture. Oh, because you can't pay the debt, your children belong to me. Isn't it just like the devil to say there's a generational curse on your children? And because, man, you were addicted to pornography, your son's going to be addicted to pornography. And woman, because you slept around, your daughter's going to sleep around. And because you got messed up with drugs, your children's going to get messed up with drugs. I have come to this pulpit under the unction of the Holy Ghost to let you know that is a lie from the pit of hell. Your children don't belong to the devil. Your children don't belong to the world. Let me tell you why. Because I've been born again. 
If I hadn't been born again, then maybe there would have been a curse on my children. Maybe I would have handed down some things through my DNA, but I got a new DNA. When I came out of the water, blood washed in the name of Jesus, baptized in the Holy Ghost, you might as well get behind me, Satan. My children are going to heaven. We ought to have some apostolic rise up and let the devil know, get your hands off my children. Get your hands off my daughter. Get your hands off my son. I bless them with the name of Jesus. Somebody lift up your hands and pour out for a moment. Somebody pour out for the next generation. Somebody pour out for your children. My son ain't going to hell. My son ain't gonna backslide. I'm pouring out. I feel an authority of the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel the gift of faith rising up in this place. Notice, she said, preacher, I don't have anything to give. Because he asked, what's in your house that you can pay off this debt with? I don't have anything but a jar of oil. Somebody say a jar of oil. I ain't got nothing but a jar of oil. Uh, oil in the Old Testament was a reference to the Spirit of God and the anointing of God. In essence, she was saying, my husband didn't leave anything but a little bit of anointing, but a little bit of prayer. He didn't teach me how to invest. He didn't teach me how to play the stock market. He didn't teach me how to flip cars. He didn't teach me how to fix up houses. He didn't teach me none of that, but I got a little oil left. He didn't teach me how to invest my money. He didn't teach me how to be wise in my finances. But he taught me, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. He didn't show me this way. He didn't show me how to take care of my children as a widow mother. But he showed me how to get on my knees. He showed me how to pray. He showed me how to fast. He showed me how to give he showed me he said okay you got a little oil we can take care of this but before we take care of it you got to go get vessels he said go borrow somebody say borrow come on somebody shout borrow he said go borrow vessels you know why because you ain't got enough to buy it but you got enough to borrow it which means the vessels you're about to pour in you ain't going to get it back it's going back to them. You're about to lose this oil. Don't worry, because when you start losing, you're going to start gaining. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you better lose it. She said, bring the vessels. They brought the vessels in. Scripture said, as she started pouring out. She started pouring out. God began the outpouring. The vessels began to fill. She kept saying, bring me another vessel. 
Oh, my word. Bring me another vessel. Maybe she said, oh, my God. Bring me another vessel. Oh, my. It's still flowing. It started out as three ounces. But when I started pouring it out, you see, preacher, I didn't realize where the miracle began. I've been hiding this oil in my closet. I put it safe away. I put it in a lockbox. I thought if I hid it in my heart, I wouldn't sin against them. But you showed me where the miracle begins. When I give it away. When I poured out when I don't hold it back when she started pouring out what she had left the oil just kept flowing the oil just kept flowing the oil just kept flowing until they filled up all the vessels they had borrowed she screams again bring me another vessel and the son said there's not another vessel and when there was no vessel and she could not continue pouring out the oil ceased When you pour out, as long as you're pouring out, there is an outpouring for you. I referenced it last week on Sunday. But you remember on Act, in Acts chapter 2, I think it's verse 17, you have to go there. But when Peter said, this is that which was spoken by who? The prophet Joel. He begins quoting from Joel chapter 2, the prophecy of the last day outpouring. There's a threefold prophecy there, a repentance, a restoration, and a revival. But in the first couple scriptures of Joel chapter 2, in the first prophecy, verse 12, it says, Now, everybody say now. Now, now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Somebody say, pour it out. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Somebody say, now. He says, now you pour out. Give me everything you've got. With weeping, with praying, with fasting. And then in verse 28 it says, and it shall come to pass afterward. Everybody say afterward. afterward. Come on, somebody shout it. Afterward. afterward. After what? After you pour out. After you pour out, says the Lord. After you turn to me and pour out everything you've got. That I will pour out my spirit. Upon all flesh. After you pour. Oh, come on somebody. After you pour out. God says I will pour out. When you pour out. I'm going to pour out. When you hold it back. I'll hold it back. But when you give everything you've got. He said I'm going to pour out my spirit. Upon all flesh. Here comes your next generation. And your sons and your daughters. Shall prophesy. Don't forget about the old people too. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. When you pour out. I'm going to pour out my spirit. Come on, somebody, just lift up your hands and pour out for a moment.
at 7.13 this morning. I'm sitting there going over my sermon I've worked on for a week. And the Lord says, no, tell them. Tell them when they pour out, I'll send the outpouring. We've poured out some, but he says, I want you to give all and nothing less. Been over this overseas many times. In fact, I met Pastor Myers in Malawi, Africa. I gave them a couple of videos because I want you to see and I want you to begin to get a glimpse of what we're going to see, first of all, at Bayside High School Football Stadium on March the 19th. But get ready for what we're going to see as the identity and nature of this church. And I remember going over there. In fact, I've been over there a few times by this point, And I did next door to Malawi is Zambia. And I did their youth congress in Zambia. And I was so confused as I, I saw those children picking up their bed mats in this church service. And putting them over their head and worshiping and dancing around. And they had carried those bed mats for days as they walked to that youth camp, that youth congress. And, and when they got there, they brought the bed mats to church. I'm thinking, what are they doing bringing their bed mats to church? And, and I was just confused. And then we go to Malawi, the neighboring country, and they kind of did the same thing, but with the chairs that we bought them. And, and they put the chairs over their head. And, and I was just confused, but I was also convicted because in Africa, I've seen thousands of people filled with the Holy Ghost in one service. I've seen over 40 blind people healed in one service over 40 deaf people healed in one service I at one point in one service I remember 10 wheelchairs full of crippled people all 10 people came out walking I remember I remember when uh, the service was sort of locked up and God wasn't moving and brother Robinette said if we're gonna have the demonstration of the Holy Ghost uh, if we're gonna have miracle signs and wonders we've got to give we got to pour out and so we stopped the service and said we're gonna give an offering right now to the people who had nothing uh, and a lady who was deaf and mute she could not hear and she could not speak she had one quacha in her pocket which is less than a penny in US dollars she brought that I've got this on video she brought that quacha right up to the platform and laid it at the altar pouring out the last dollar she had left and the moment she did that she lifted her hands and for the first time in her life she began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave the utterance and her pastor went down to her saw her speaking and was praying with her and while they were praying both of her ears were healed and she began to hear that pastor who's known her her whole life said you've got to testify he brought her up on the platform she grabbed the microphone and began to testify speaking for the first time in her life when the people saw that the people that knew who she was the people that knew of her infirmity when she began to speak that place just erupted And I asked one time, I asked the superintendent, I, as, and I prayed, I prayed about it. And I said, God, why do we see stuff like this? And I asked the superintendent, I said, what's all this nonsense about them throwing our chairs around over their head? We bought those chairs, you know. He said, well, we have this concept when we praise and worship that we're not really worshiping until we give God our highest, most valuable possession. He said, that chair is their most valuable possession. Same thing with the kids in Zambia with the bed mats over their head. They told me, they said, that's their greatest possession. They're saying, God, I'm not holding anything back from you. I'm giving you everything I've got. You got that video? I don't know if they've got it. Show that, that, that video real quick. We're almost done.
video. Now stand or sit whatever you feel to do I remember I'd never seen a miracle like this in all my life my wife took this picture of me praying for this lady my interpreter for the entire week about six foot five I forget his name but he came up to me after the last service he said brother green will you pray for my fiance I said yes yeah, sure he brought her up and I said what do you want me to pray for I'm thinking he's gonna say we'll pray for you know blessing and prosperity of our marriage and, and I was ready to pray for that but when he said she was born deaf in her left ear he said, will you pray for her? And I'm thinking, dear God, I've never seen this happen before. And I've heard of the testimonies, but I've never personally seen it. And she just stood right there. And I said, I don't know what else to do but to lay my hands on your ears. And I'm just going to take authority over this by the power of the word of God in the name of Jesus. And we began to pray. And I didn't pray for more than 30 seconds. And I, and I leaned down into her left ear where she was born completely deaf in that left ear. And I whispered and said, can when I whispered that, her eyes beamed open. She instantly started crying and started jumping, shouting, I can hear you. I can hear you. God instantaneously, miraculously healed her ear. There's an outpouring in this place. I said there's an outpouring in this place. I bring this to your attention. So just to give you a preview that there's an outpouring. There's an outpouring of God in this place. Somebody pour out right now. Just pour out right now. Just pour out. Come on, pour out with your voice. Pour out with your praise. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I hear an outpouring of the Holy Ghost about to fall. I see miracle signs and wonders about to take place. Pour out. Come on, get dry. Get thirsty. Become broken. Pour out. I wonder if there's some radical men and women of God that would step out of your seats and start marching all over this sanctuary right now. Not just to the altar, not just to the front, but I feel like marching in faith and saying, God, I'm pouring out everything I've got. I'm pouring out everything I've got. I'm not going to hold back anything. Come on. This is Sunday service. Somebody get apostolic. Somebody get radical. Somebody get desperate. Come on. I want a radical man and woman of God to just march this sanctuary.
as you're moving and marching, I want you to declare, this is me pouring out. I'm pouring out. Come on. the gift of the Holy Ghost this is your moment right now you're about to speak in tongues if you've never been baptized in Jesus name don't leave this service until we baptize you in Jesus name but right now right now there is a glory cloud over this sanctuary and it's about to downpour there's about to be a deluge of God's Spirit in this place because we're about to pour out everything we've got. I want you to listen to this man of God. Listen to me. We're going to pour out with our voice because your voice represents your identity. Your voice represents who you are. Your voice represents your energy, your physical strength. Life and death is in the power of the tongue and we're about to release that life of praise. We're about to pour out. So I want you to lift up your hands and close your eyes for a moment. And before we do this, I'm going to give you instruction. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And you're going to take every ounce of energy you've got. Your identity, your failures, your success, everything you've got. And you're going to pour that out with your voice. And the moment we begin to pour that out, ha, there's going to be a thundering sound of the Holy Ghost. His Spirit's going to begin to pour back into you. There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But with every eye closed, I want you to envision yourself, who you are, what makes you up, your fears, your nervousness, your insecurities, your strengths and weaknesses. And I want you to see yourself pouring that out with your voice. Envision that for just a moment. Yes. Huh. Now, before we count to three and shout, I want you to see that storm pouring out here upon us today. I want you to witness His Spirit in your mind. I want you to envision God's Spirit outpouring here in this service and overflowing this sanctuary into the streets, into your children, into the next generation. 
I want you to see this outpouring of his spirit. I want you to see our men and women prophesying, sons and daughters prophesying, men and women having dreams and visions. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost is here. Every hand lifted, every eye closed, get ready. Get ready to shout. Get ready to pour out. When I count to three, we're going to pour out together. For where two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus, there he is in the midst of them. Get ready. Start taking some deep breaths. Get some air in those lungs. We're about to pour out. Get ready. By the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, we pour out ourselves to you for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. One, two, three.